Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press onto the new. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Thank you for your faithful following. If you are new to this podcast, I hope that you get more than you expect. As always, I would ask you to take a few minutes of your time at the end of this episode to rate this podcast, of course, with a five-star rating. (laughs) And if you would leave a kind, positive, uplifting comment, you know what? I would really appreciate that. I love going back and reading each and every one of your comments. They fuel my passion to keep doing what I do. In advance, thank you so much. A few weeks ago, I published an episode. It was called The COVID-19 Fatigue, and it was all about adolescent mental health. You see, I had been approached by a couple of local youth pastors. They wanted to interview me. They know my background, as you know. My background is in psychology. I have a master's in counseling and life coaching, and I am currently working on my doctorate, which I'm happy to say that I'm only about a little under a year and a half away from completing it, and I am super excited about that. My doctorate is in psychological trauma. And so the first episode was a conversation about the youth, what they can do to find help, who to talk to. Today's episode is addressed to the parents, to the parents of adolescents that are struggling with depression and anxiety. So this is part two of the COVID-19 fatigue. I hope that you enjoy it. I would love to hear what you have to say. Write down your comments and share, share, share with other people that might need the help. So moving on to kind of the the parent portion of today's video, I did want to ask this question. What would you say to the parents who are wondering, how do I spot if my child is dealing with depression or suicidal thoughts, what are some physical things to look for or maybe emotional red flags that I need to be looking out for? Right. So there are some external uh, red flags. And so that would be like a change in appearance. And so they start to go from uh, wearing just regular, you know, colored clothes to uh, dark clothes. You know, they go dark. And so they start wearing like, black shirts or, or black garments. Mm-hmm. And so they go dark in that sense. Girls will start covering up their eyes. They start to isolate themselves physically. They will cover up their eyes as a form of covering up their guilt or covering up their shame. And so they start to do that. Once it gets worse, it's, it's more of a psychotic type depression. Then you have to look for cuts on the arms. Right. You have to look for a self-mutilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will do things like that. What I've noticed is also they, they cover those cuts. They do. So Absolutely. if they're wearing a lot of long sleeves exactly. as well, that's a, yep. that's a good sign. Yeah, that's, that a, that's a good sign. Some people will cut. Some people will burn themselves. Yep. And so you've got to look for those, those different signs. Those are, those are outward ones. Uh, another sign is isolation. Uh, disassociation. It almost seems that they are aloof. They're not connected to what's going on. They might be sitting at the dinner table, but they're in a daze. They're not connected. They're disassociated. Uh, They refuse to spend time with family, refuse to spend time with friends where they used to. They're no longer doing that. Uh, you also want to look for signs of uh, uh, drug abuse also. They might get into smoking, you know, smoking pot or, you know, popping pills. You got to look for that. Uh, a, a reduction in their grades, you know, when their grades in school start to decline. Right. That is another sign. 
And, uh, and simply not having the motivation to get out of bed, the rooms are a mess, uh, they, they don't want to get up, they refuse to bathe, uh, some will go for five days without bathing, mm-hmm. they'll refuse to eat, they don't even have energy to eat, so they'll right. start to lose weight, uh, and uh, so those are some of the signs. Uh, you know, one of the things that um, I didn't really mention in, in the, uh, the first part where we talked to the youth was that uh, we have to keep in mind that we're a three-part being. You know, we're mind, body, and spirit. And so depression will affect all three parts. And there are three, you know, we have to, uh, we have to attack all three of those to get out of that, out of that hole. And so you have, you have the psychology part of it, you have the biology part of it, and you have the spirituality part of it. So where you have, you know, changing the mindset, maybe through that cognitive behavioral therapy, you have changing... Uh, you know, um, it is, I'm trying to remember the name of the author, but they're the four interior empires he talks about. He says, um, he says it's, it's mindset, heart set, soul set, and health set. It's those four sets that we need to focus on. So, so we focus on all three of those to get that person to a healthy state. And so we focus also on the spiritual part. So is there a sin? One of the things that I ask, and I'm talking to parents, I want you to know this. Uh, one of the things that I, that I ask youth that come into my office that are depressed, I'll ask them, you know, do you have a significant other? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? First question. And, and if, if it's a yes, then I'll say, have you had sex? Like I ask that question yeah, all the time because real. as believers, you know, that could be a source of guilt, of, of extreme guilt. And that is killing them on the inside. Absolutely. And so they feel that, they feel that uh, that is a sin that is too, too deep and too bad for God to heal them from or right. to, for God to forgive. Right. And so I would, I would tell parents to, to open up, uh, to allow them to speak, to not speak, but to listen. Yes. And, and this is the key, guys. Parents, listen. This is the key in listening. Listen to understand. Don't listen yes. to reply. Yes. You see, we are wired to listen to reply. I want to have a good comeback, good, a good word. No, no, no. You just listen to understand their hearts because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever they're saying, it's coming from the heart. And whatever's coming out of the heart first went in through the mind. And whatever's in the mind came in through the ears and through the eyes first. And so it dropped down to here and it's coming out of their mouth. So if you want to know where your child is at, listen to what they're saying because what they're saying will reveal where they are living. Yeah. And one thing I'll remember, I actually, I went through a um, kind of bout with depression in middle school. I was getting bullied and Mm -hmm. nobody knew about it. You know, I was, I was a more popular kid. So it was kind of like weird for me to even like come out and say Mm -hmm. I'm getting bullied because like usually popular kids wouldn't get bullied. So uh, that put more pressure on me. Right. So I remember I went about two or three weeks feeling depressed and I didn't know that, but on the way to school one day, my dad asked me, he's like, hey, son, is everything okay? And in my heart, I wanted to tell him, but again, I felt that kind of like that shame or that guilt. Right. And so I couldn't open up to him then, but looking back now, and, and even in that moment, I did appreciate that my dad noticed enough to reach out and say, right. hey, is right. everything okay? You know, is, you know, I've noticed that you know, you've changed a little bit, and I want you to know that I'm here for you. And I knew that... Whenever, you know, I did want to open up, my dad was going to be there and able right. to listen. And so, yeah. And, and when, and when you do that, parents, it, it, it shows your son or daughter that they don't just simply exist, but they matter. And so yeah. that, that does wonders to a child's brain. Um, one thing I want to say before I, I ask the next question is another thing to be aware of is what I call suicidal language. Mm-hmm. And so, cause some students are really good right. at covering it up. They have the smile. They're the ones who make people laugh and, and you never expect, but if they make a joke, like something happens, they 
drop their plate and, you know, their food's all over the table and stuff. And they go, oh, that's okay. I won't be alive for much longer anyway, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that, that they, they joke and they brush it off, but you notice things where they're implying that life will end soon. That's a trigger. That, that's, that should be a signal that something's going on. And another thing that students also do is they give away personal items, mm -hmm. things that are very meaningful to them. So that, that picture they took of, of everybody at Disneyland, they give that to you and say, Mom, I want you to have this. I don't, I don't need it anymore. Or that, that yeah. stuffed animal that they never let go since they were four, and they start giving stuff like that away. That's another sign that something is going on, and it's worth the ask. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, that's absolutely. Good. Um, now, I know for many parents, but also I've noticed specifically in, in the Valley, we're very reactive. Yes. And so when a child opens up about their struggle with depression or suicide, um, we tend to react rather than respond. Mm -hmm. And so what are some things that, parents should be mindful of not to say to their child when they open up? Well, say things like, don't say, like I mentioned earlier, just get over it. You know, uh, you're better than this. Uh, uh, you'll grow out of it. You know, you just need to mature. Yeah. You know, uh, you're be you know, things like that, that, uh, that really don't, they don't help at all. You know, they don't help. But that's a coping mechanism for the parents. Right. That's a cop out. Mm -hmm. That's a parent cop out, you know, saying those kinds of things. And so those are some of the things that they need to be mindful of. Right. And sometimes they don't really need, um, they don't need the parents to say anything at all. Yeah. All they need is the parent to listen. Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned, sometimes uh, the, the car, you know, driving in the car with them is, is a good time uh, to do that converse, to have that conversation because you're right. not looking at each other in the eyes. Right. Uh, find that time just to get away from everything and just to focus on them, you know, and to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Okay. Now... I understand also that, you know, you mentioned this earlier, we, as, just as human beings, we have this need to, to talk and this need to share what's on our mind and, and be open. But I understand also that there's a sense of confidentiality when a child opens up about these things and, and we feel that there's this pressure we have as parents that we need to release by talking about this situation. And so who is it, is it ever safe, one, to bring up this conversation we had with our, our child to mm -hmm. anyone else? And if so, who is it safe to bring it up with? Mm -hmm. So you mean like the parent? Who? Okay. Right. So I would say that uh, the parent needs to seek therapy for themselves. Okay. Because let me just say this. 75% of the time, when I have a parent or a group of parents come to me and say, could you please see my son or daughter? They're 16 years old, and they're talking all this silly talk that's really upsetting, or you know, it's it's scaring us as parents. Could you could you fix them? Mm. Could you fix them? Yeah. Like like I have this magic you know <laughs> potion that I can just give them, drink it, and you'll be okay. Yeah. Can you fix them? You know what I say? I say before I see your child, I need to see you, because 75 to 80 percent of the time, you are the problem. Yeah. Simple. And they give me this look. No, no, we're not the problem. No, you are the problem. Yeah. And so we bring in the parents and we start to look at levels of dysfunction. Uh, we start to look at what they call, there's a, there's a score called the ACEs score, A-C-E. ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. Right. We start to identify if there are adverse childhood experiences that they are going through that is causing them to become depressed. And so Talking to the parents, number one, that's the first step. So who do they reach out to? They need therapy. Okay. They need to seek a counselor. They need to seek that therapist that is going to help guide them in that process. How, do they, how to deal with that with the, with the child. Right. The person you don't go to is your neighbor. 
You don't go to your friend. You don't go to la tía or el tío. Yeah. You don't go to those people yeah. uh, or el compadre. You don't do those things because then that breaks the trust. Yes. And then and then the kid goes, I'm not going to tell you anymore because now my cousins know about my issue. My yeah. grandma knows about my Everybody right. knows. Right. No. A therapist has to keep everything confidential. Yes. And so they can't share those things. So I would say that's the person to go to or go to your pastor as well. Absolutely. Because the pastor also has to keep things confidential. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So in, in the United States, we, we have a tendency to over-medicate a lot of the times. So I think you could agree mm-hmm. with this. Uh, what do you say to that person or that, that parent who they know their child is struggling with depression, they may need pharmaceutical drugs, but they're kind of hesitant. What, what would you say to that individual? Because they don't really want to over-medicate their child, but they may need it. Yeah. So there's a, there is a portion of the population that do require medication. I mean, we, we need to understand that. I, I will say this, uh, 75% of the kids in the Valley that are on medication for ADD or ADHD should not be on medication. They are already 504, you know, they're, they're deemed 504 in the school district and mm-hmm. uh, because they're not completely disabled, but they're somewhat disabled because right. they're ADHD or ADD and they're on medication, uh, but they shouldn't be. There are other strategies. There are ways. There's, you know, the child may not be uh, attention deficit uh, disorder, attention or a hyperactive disorder. Right. Maybe they're just bodily kinesthetic learners. Uh, maybe they just have a lot of energy. Yeah. Right. And so, but a lot of them get put on medication right away because they don't go through the appropriate uh, screening. And so, a parent shouldn't be afraid of medication, but a parent should be uh, intentional about asking the doctor pediatrician, for instance. Okay, my son is exhibiting, you know, signs of depression or signs of anxiety. We've talked a lot about about depression, not a whole lot about anxiety. Yeah. Let's just mm-hmm. use anxiety for an example. You know, example. Anxiety is is extreme fear. It's heart palpitations, sweaty palms, uh, increased levels of cortisol, adrenaline rush. You know, fight, flight, or freeze mode. Right. That's that's your anxiety. It's it's being continued. It's not it's not being afraid for just a moment because you're going to have a test you didn't study for and you're like, oh no, what am I going to do? Yeah. That's normal. Right. right. This anxiety is prolonged two weeks, three weeks, months, years of feeling this way. Fear uh, of, of something that is unknown, like false evidence appearing real type fear, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that requires medication. And so the parents shouldn't be afraid of the medication, but should always ask the questions. Pediatric, the pediatrician is, okay, why is it you're prescribing medication? Well, we gave him a 10-question a ten checklist, and he checked six out of 10. And so we're giving... I would, I would go a little... I would go beyond that and say, okay, let, let's, see a, let's, let's go to a neurologist, and let's have them do... A, a, what is it? An EEG. Um, not an EKG. EEG. Yeah, have them do right. an EEG to measure the frequency in their brain, the electricity. Let's see if there's actually a problem in the brain. You know, maybe right. it's a lack of, you know, a chemical, dopamine, serotonin. Uh, maybe, you know, one of the areas of the brain it doesn't have enough electricity. Let's see what we can do for that. Right. And not let just, just medicate. I want to say this. Parents need to understand this. I'm not against medication. Some kids need it. Right. Some adults need it. Uh, but medication doesn't heal. Period. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get, oh, I'm not going to get spiritual. I'm just going to say medication doesn't heal. What heals is medication and therapy. Yes. You got to have both. Yes. You can't have just one. It won't heal. It will only uh, cover up, it will cover up the symptoms, yeah. but it will not deal with the issue. Right. The issue has to be dealt with. And sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, it is deep, deep down in the subconscious mind and it has to be pulled out of there to be dealt with. Um, 
And so, yeah, that's, that's, don't be afraid of the medication, but always ask the questions. Just because he's a doctor doesn't mean that they know everything. Hey, all respect to all the doctors out there, but you have to ask your questions because you cannot give a, an assessment in 15 minutes or a five-minute uh, questionnaire. You can't get the right assessment. So make sure that you do your due diligence and go out and, and ask more questions. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great answer. Um, last question wrapping up for the parents. Is there any way that they can help prevent, let's just say, you know, their, their kids aren't dealing with depression, but they know that it's a possibility, Mm -hmm. especially with what's going on today. What would you say to those parents? Is there any way that they can help prevent their kid from falling into a depression or even suicidal thoughts? I think, you know, you you said, uh, you said something that, that made me think of a genogram. And I don't know if you know what a genogram is, but a genogram is like a family tree. And so, and so as a parent, I would always, I would go back and look at my family tree. I would look at that genogram and say, okay, I'm going to start with uh, great-grandparents from here on both sides and kind of go down. And I want to see if there were signs of depression in any one of my family members. I want to see if there was anxiety. I want to see if there was any psychosis. I want to see, you know, if there was any kind of mental health issue within my family tree, because that way I know that there that my kids might be prone to that because yeah. it is it is a lot of those are carried in the genes right you know so they become more susceptible and i don't know some of you are saying i'm rebuking that in the name of jesus and that's fine we rebuke and we do but we do our due diligence Amen. and so we need to understand yeah. that uh, it could be carried in the bloodline and so what does the deuteronomy say you know deuteronomy says the sins of the forefathers shall be carried on to the third and the fourth generation Okay, so when you have a kid who is who went to a party and someone gave him alcohol and they drank it, they became alcoholics. You're like, what happened? Mom and dad don't drink. Well, no, but the great grandparent was a drunk. Yeah. I mean, he he was a drunk and or, or or a womanizer or or a drug abuser, and so now your kid is doing the same thing. It's carried. Now, can you break the cycle? Yeah, you can break the Absolutely. cycle in Christ. Absolutely. You can definitely break it. Is yes. it easy? No, it's not easy. You break it. You have a new heart. Now you have to do Romans twelve two. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so. I forgot the question. Uh, no. Well, the question... <laughs> Where did I go with all that? Yeah. Um, how, how do these parents help maybe prevent? H- help prevent. Okay. Yeah. So, so, again, mind, body, spirit. Mind, body, spirit. Okay. So, promoting a healthy lifestyle. For yes. instance, don't, don't, don't let your kid isolate himself in a room playing games or on a computer screen. They need to get at least 30 minutes, parents. Listen, 30 minutes of sunlight Vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin. They need vitamin D in a supplement, and they need vitamin D uh, if, they're, if they have signs of depression. If they don't, just get them out 30 minutes, get them to sweat, break a sweat, get in the sun, get rosy, you know, rosy colored like that because they're out in the sun, you know, in the, in the heat. 30 minutes they need. Uh, so that's the physical part. Mm-hmm. They need to have a healthy diet. That's going to be important too. Stay away from uh, sugar. This is a killer and people don't know this about depression and sugar. They, they're, they're connected. And so you need to be very, very careful. There is a, a small strand in, uh, in the chemical makeup of, uh, of um, sugar, of the, 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 the table sugar you know, that, we, that people use for their coffee and stuff like that, refined sugar. There's just a small difference between that and cocaine, which makes it highly addictive. Right. Sugar is highly addictive, and that's why mm-hmm. you're, you drive by a bakery and you go, oh man, I just crave you know some donuts or yeah, because that sugar has caused you to rewire your brain already. Right. And so you have to you have to watch what you eat. So limiting your sugar intake, uh, getting enough exercise, having a healthy diet, getting away from soft drinks. So that's the physical side. That's the biological side. Right. The mindset. 
The mindset is encouraging your child, and here's the important one. I talked about the 15 minutes in the morning, uh, 45 minutes in the morning. Encourage your child to have a ritual. Do not let them get on social media, okay? Now, it's not up, okay, I'm going to take your phone and put it in a, in a box and lock it up. No, you, you have to teach them so that they understand the importance of having this morning ritual where you have 45 minutes in the morning because you're, and I won't get into deep, deep, deep psychology because that might be a little, you know, a bit a little much, but when, when, you, when you wake up in the morning, your brain is in a theta stage, which is almost like in a hypnotic stage, so it's, it's open to it, it's receiving everything without a filter. So you wake up, you know, you're kind of still barely getting up, you know, it takes you 15, 20 minutes to wake up sometimes, the first thing that you want to do is have a mindful attitude. And so what do you do? 10 things. You tell your child, okay, think about before you get out of bed, 10 things that you're grateful for. Whatever it is, pray to God. You know, say, Father, I thank you for this, 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 and that. Mindful attitude, first thing in the morning. Second thing is have a devotional. My devotional is my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. Pull nice. it up on my phone, read it. It takes me five minutes, seven minutes. I think about it. There's a scripture. I meditate. Meditate. That's another thing. So prayer, devotion, meditate. Listen to a podcast that's edifying, something that's going to feed your mind and feed your soul. So you do all these things and plank for five minutes. Get your blood flowing in the morning. Just do a five-minute plank. You know, do that and drink. Hydrate. First thing in the morning, hydrate. Drink a lot of water. I personally drink a coffee. It's called Four Sigmatic. And it's a good Colombian coffee, but it has mushrooms in it. It has uh, ashwanda and it has lion's mane. Mm. So those are neurotropics. They wake up your brain first thing in the morning. And so the first 45 minutes are going to determine the rest of my day. Mm -hmm. So if I wake up on social media on the news, my day is going to be driven by that because I've already programmed my mind with that information. Right. So you've already hit the mind the biology and the spirituality in the first 45 minutes of your day. That's so right. that's how you can keep them from falling into a state of depression. And above all, connect with your children. Yes. Connect with your children. Listen to them. Hug them. Here goes, you know, I'm probably giving you more answers than you're, than, oh, than you're looking for, but here goes what I call the 777 guys. Practice it. It'll change your life with your children. Seven words of affirmation every day. Seven hugs and seven I love yous for seven days and watch your relationship wow. turn around. You're like, but I'm, I'm not a hugger. Well, that's your problem. That's your problem, dad. That's your problem, mom. And that's why you're having issues with your kid. And so seven words of affirmation, seven I love yous and seven hugs, seven times a day for seven days and watch everything turn around. That's wow, wonderful. that is awesome. Mm, wonderful. Milton, thank you so much for joining yeah, us welcome. today. I know that the parents are going to find a lot of value in this and the students right. as well. So thank you so much. Yeah, we absolutely. And I just want to say, throw that out there. You can uh, look me up on the YouTube channel, and I'm sure they'll include that information, the Instagram, and, uh, and my podcast. Yes. My podcast is called Recalibrate with Milton. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts, and it's on Podbean. And, uh, and it's, uh, all of my episodes are psychology, biology, spirituality, and theology. It's good stuff. I mean, what can Absolutely. I say, right? Right. No. <laughs> well, look it up, guys. Yeah. He goes deep into these topics. So if you're like, man, I want a little bit more, go follow him on all, on all of those. And you, you'll, be, you'll be thanking me later. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, there you go. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you're a parent and you have an adolescent that is struggling with depression and anxiety. I hope that today's episode helped elevate your faith and your hope. Don't give up. Let me tell you, 
that God is near the brokenhearted. God sustains us in the palm of his hand. His word says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He goes on to say that we are to cast all of our cares, our anxieties, our fears, cast them all onto him because he cares for us. Moms and dads, there's one thing that you can do, and that is pray. Pray, pray, and pray again for your kids. If they're young and they're not struggling with anxiety and depression, be grateful, be thankful, but continue to train them up in the way that they should go according to God's word and his will so that when they are older, they won't depart from it. We are living in some weird times and there is a war for the minds of our children. We've got to safeguard them. Keep them safe. God bless you guys. Love you in Christ. Goodbye.